Uh, Kendall, he talked about, uh, last week he talked about uh, lying, bearing false witness um, as one of the commandments. And this week we're actually, we're going to go over the last commandment in the series. Um, and this is do not covet. All right, does anybody know what coveting is? Uh, have a good definition of what coveting may look like or anything like that? If anyone is bold, to raise their hand and take that chance. No, I'm just kidding. All right, yep, that's, that's very good. Uh, you know, I, uh, I Google searched it, right? Wikipedia, all right? Uh, something that I, I learned, I, I, I didn't see it uh, this clear until I actually saw what it said. And uh, what it actually means is to lust or long for with great desire. Wow, to lust or long for with great desire, you know? When I just think of the word covet, when I was growing up and I was hearing the Ten Commandments and I was like, I know, I know the commandments, you know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, and I'm going, thou shalt not covet, right? I, I know a little bit of what that means, but not completely, but man, it says to lust or long for with great desire. How many things do I lust for and long for with great desire in my life? You know, when I was actually going through this uh, to kind of even, I guess, instruct myself and ask the Holy Spirit to, to help me through this, uh, um, that was one of the things that came to my heart was what are the things that I lust or long for with great, with great, great desire? What drives me? What gets me up in the morning? You know, what gets me through school, right? Uh, what, what gets me through the day at my workplace, you know, what gets me through when I'm um, with my family throughout the day? You know, what am I longing for uh, throughout the day? Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his house, his field, his servant, maid, ox, donkey. And if, if nothing has been covered yet, he says, nor anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Right? Um, so he's, 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 uh, I think he pretty much nailed every, every perspective in a human's life, everything that a human could possess, he pretty much nailed it, you know? Um, this is one of the only commandments that is up front in dealing with our inner man. You know, if you notice all the other commandments, a lot of them, you can see more physically, outwardly, you know, people can see those things, uh, those sins, but coveting is an issue. It's, I mean, every bit of it's an issue of the heart, right? But God just says, hey, uh, in case you haven't uh, seen how, I mean, basically what he's saying here is we're, we're going to go deeper, and we're going to even deal with your desire. Where, where's your desire? That's, that's deeper than, you know, all these others. And and so what he says right here is he says, uh, all right, actually, I'm going to ask you all a question real quick, okay? What are some of the things we might long for in this day and time that are comparable to God's commandments, right? To, to this command of do not covet the things that I had listed, what are some things that are comparable uh, in this day and time to an ox and a donkey and... All that. A car? Okay, so coveting a car. What else? Relationships? Job? 
house? Oh, yeah. So, so we, we know all too well the things that we are able to covet in this day and time, um, the things that we can long for with great desire, the things that our American culture may and, and our flesh trains us to long for. You know, I mean, we have commercials all, you know, uh, that train us, that try to train us, this is what you need to long for. This is going to meet your desire. This is going to satisfy you. You know, all, all these different things. Um, but guys, longing for anything other than God is a manifestation of discontentment with God, right? Okay? Uh, we have, as a human race, we actually have a God-shaped vacuum in the center of our being um, that only God can satisfy Right, uh, there's there's like a, a puzzle piece missing in the innermost part of us. It's a God-shaped vacuum that that God allowed uh, to happen, so that only only He can actually satisfy that God-shaped vacuum. And it, you know, it's it's like a black hole, right? Y'all ever, y'all have been educated on black holes and stuff. You know, it just like consumes it, absorbs everything, and it's never satisfied, right? It's almost something eternal, right? There's such a deep, eternal desire inside of us that the only thing that can satisfy it is something that's eternal, right? Nothing that's temporary can satisfy that black hole and that puzzle piece on the inside of us, right? And, and God has made provision for his eternal life to satisfy the innermost part of us, okay? Uh, let's see here. Coveting is a result of trying to satisfy this vacuum with earthly, temporary things, all right? Uh, there's, a, there's a good example in the Bible of a man who, I mean, he, he had a lot of wealth. He, he had a lot of possessions. Uh, I would be talking about Solomon, but, you know, uh, King David, uh, I'm sure he encountered the same situations. I'm sure this guy uh, acquired great wealth, right, uh, had pretty much had anything that he ever wanted, all that, and he gets caught in a situation one day where he's, you know, on top of his roof staring down, and he sees Bathsheba, right? You, you guys remember that story, right? Uh, he's, he's got everything, you know? Um, even the prophet, even, you know, when he comes to him, he tells him, he's like, man, you've, uh, in the parable, he's talking about a man that has everything, <laughs> you know? has all these possessions and everything, and yet the one thing that he doesn't have, he starts longing for, right? He looks down and he sees Bathsheba bathing and, and he starts desiring after her, right? You guys remember in the book of James where it says, uh, no one can say that God actually tempts us, but we are actually lured and enticed and tempted by our own evil desires? And he says, so he kind of gives kind of the train of uh, just the sequence of death, of what leads to death. He says, desire gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's in its full play, in full motion, right, uh, and when it is matured, brings forth death, right? So you can actually see this playing out in David's life, this principle, right? He's first desiring after Bathsheba, right? Then... He, um, he, he starts coveting her. He takes her in. He commits adultery. He sins, right? So he ends up sinning. 
it started birthing into that. Then he lies, right? He lies to Uriah, her husband, okay? He starts basically breaking every commandment, all because of coveting, all because of desire, the inner desire in the first place, right? So this thou shalt not covet goes very deep, and all the commandments are tied to coveting. I mean, you can see this, right, to desire, all right? Uh, Then what happens in the end, right, his son dies, so it brought forth death, didn't it, right? His son dies, um, Uriah dies, okay, so other people end up dying as a result of his sin, right? Uh, It's not only uh, what he's responsible for, what happens is he ends up affecting other people as well, his sin, Okay, um, that's the same with us in our life today. You know, I don't know how many of you guys have families or even friends or anything. And if, you know, if we are coveting after other things and we're in the kingdom of God and we're, we're longing for these temporary things, we realize that it's actually um, hurting our relationship with our friends and uh, causing them to sin. You know, um, it's, it's keeping them from knowing who Jesus is, you know. Um, from gaining God's perspective, okay? Then you also notice later on he loses another son. God says that, hey, man, there's gonna be tension in your house till the day you die because of what happened here, right? So he loses his son, Uriah dies. He loses another son later on in his life. There's tension all in his house, right? All because of coveting, you know, and, and that sin fully maturing in that situation, Right? Okay. So let's see here. Okay. After all this, David learned that there was only one true satisfaction in God. So, you know, the blessing about, you know, God can work all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? So in this situation, he royally messes up. I mean, it's disgusting. It's terrible what ends up happening, but God ends up redeeming the situation. And David gains a perspective even greater of God's mercies and God's love and kindness, right? There's a scripture in uh, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. If y'all want to turn to that, you may. I found this scripture to be interesting. Um, it completely reflects the gospel. It's almost as if David is preaching the gospel in this uh, scripture. It's almost like he just had a revelation. He saw in a shadow what we see in reality now. You know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, the only thing that ends up satisfying him ends up being the good news. Like, but it was as a shadow to him, right? And who knows, God may have already revealed you know, the reality of sending his son to David at this time. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but he says, um, all that, uh, let's see here, all that I am, praise the Lord, everything in me, praise his holy name. Remember, this is after this whole situation, right? My whole being, praise the Lord, and do not forget all his kindness. Notice what he says, my whole being, not just part of it, right? His, his whole entire being uh, his whole entire longing, everything that he is, praise the Lord, right? 
Praise his holy name with my whole being. Praise the Lord and do not forget all his kindness. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. What did Jesus do? He forgave us of all of our sins and he healed us of all of our diseases. So apparently God had done this for David, right? Uh, He saves my life from the grave and loads me with love and mercy. I'm reading from the message in case you guys, yeah. Uh, have a different translation. So he saves my life from the grave and loads me with love and mercy. What did Jesus do for us? Saved our life from the grave, right? And loaded us with gifts of love and mercy, didn't he? Right, that's the whole message of the gospel. He satisfies me with good things and makes me young again like the eagle, like a new creation, right? Makes us young again born again, right, alive again to God, right? Uh, David came to an understanding that only God can satisfy that, that covetous desire, that, that deep longing and everything. Through this situation and, and through humility, God revealed his son to David, right? God revealed his wisdom to David, which is his son, right? Yeah. All right. So... All right. All right, guys. What coveting does is it actually ends up making us short-sighted and robs us of an eternal perspective. All right? I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that. When, you know, our heart is kind of like one of those fly glue traps. Y'all ever, y'all ever had one of those put up in your house or when you were growing up, your parents put it up there and pinned it up, those little glue traps? Man, those, those things, if a fly gets on it, it can't escape. You know, it's, it's sticky like crazy. Our heart's like that. That's how our heart is. It's crazy sticky. I mean, it just glues onto anything that it sees. It's the heart sees. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when that happens, if our heart gets glued on the temporary things, right, it causes us to become short-sighted. We lose our kingdom of God perspective, God's perspective, Right, We gain a worldly perspective, and what starts driving our heart? The temporary things, right? So I mean, man, it could take a moment, and then over time, what ends up happening is the gospel ends up not being lived out in our life, right? I mean, for me, this is very convicting because it's, this, is a, this is an everyday, all-day thing, you know, uh, you know, keeping the eyes of our heart on Jesus to wash away the guilt, to wash away uh, the, by the power of his Holy Spirit to, to, to take away those things that are temporary in our heart, right, and to keep an eternal perspective. This is an all-day, everyday thing, you know. You know, sure, we can, we can get rescued by God, but now we need to follow him for the rest of our life, right? And it, it's not even just a, I want to follow him. It's a desperate need, Right, because only He can take those things off of that glue trap. You know, only only He can actually heal the heart. Only He can plant the eternal perspective into our heart and to keep it and maintain it there. He's the gardener. He's the one that keeps it and maintains it. Right? We can't do it. I mean, we are helpless without Jesus. We need a relationship with Him. We need we need to know that His Spirit lives in us and that He can actually help us with these covetous desires and things. And he is faithful. 
God is faithful. He has done this for me over and over and over again. You know, I thought that, you know, okay, so a long time ago, I ended up giving, giving up everything with, you know, that scripture that says, you know, forsake everything and follow him and all that. I took it very literal. You know, my, my wife and I, we ended up forsaking pretty, pretty much everything and we uh, sold our possessions, gave to the poor. We were living with another family. I mean, we were just kind of, you know, uh, ended up kind of turning into cultish-like later on. But at, at first, it was a pure heart. People were going after Jesus, you know, and all that. And, and, uh, but at this time, I was like, everything is yours, Lord. And, man, I, I remember uh, just the, the joy of helping widows and, you know, like I would have visions of mowing widows' lawns for free. I mean, it would be like stirring in my heart and just a vision, like not even in my own analyzing. I would just be laying down, just chilling in Jesus, and all of a sudden a vision would pop up of mowing a widow's, you know, yard for free, you know, because everything was forsaken, you know, and it was, I want to do the will of the Father. God, what does it mean to do your will? What does it look like, you know? And, and I remember there was so much uh, brotherly love and affection between the, the guys that we, you know, we were meeting together daily. And it, was, it wasn't even something that we made ourselves do. It was something that we were drawn to do. It was like we knew that we needed to stir each other up. We needed to build each other up. We needed to encourage each other, okay? Uh, the Bible says to come together even more so as you see the day approaching, and at that, back in that day, they were meeting together daily when he said that. You know, wow. Man, I wonder what's making us so naked in America right now, man. You know, to keep that kingdom of God perspective, but not, not in a forceful way. God's not going to force it on us. He's wanting to know, is it our treasure? Is his kingdom our treasure? Because it's going to be tested. You know, we've got on one side all the possessions that are temporary, that can be just easily handed to us in America, you know? And we got on the other side, we've got the kingdom of God, you know? And we have a choice to make every day, you know? And I've had, I've had time since that time, all right? The, we ended up, um, you know, individuals went to Lubbock and different parts of the, uh, America, things like that. And over time, I just, I remember just seeing different things start creeping in, you know, into my heart, you know. Um, started going to college and, and uh, started just kind of entertaining the perspective of what people might see me as by me going to college, you know, because, I mean, I was a high school dropout. None of my family for generations past even graduated high school, so now all of a sudden I'm fixing to... Uh, get this diploma, you know, so I'm, I'm tempted in my heart to, like, covet that, you know, um, and I, I remember the things that kind of got me through this throughout this whole time up to this point was my fellowship with other brothers and sisters that had a kingdom of God perspective, right, and not a worldly-minded perspective, right, um, us being honest with each other, correcting each other, encouraging each other, right, these are the things that have helped me. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. Up until this point, all right, I have not even tasted, personally, I haven't tasted the fellowship that I had at the beginning. You know, me personally. You know, and I, 
um, I'm, in my own heart, I long for that. You know, for, for us in, a, in America, for our body, for our church and all that to, to uh, see what kind of treasure we are to one another and the desperate need that we have to continue to keep a God perspective to build each other up, right? And to, to almost like keep each other uh, set apart for God, you know, um, till the end, okay? I don't even know why I shared all that. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see here. All right. All right, God is after establishing and expanding his kingdom on the earth through the satisfying good news of Jesus and all the treasures that come from him. So God's perspective is establishing his kingdom on the earth. That's, that, uh, before time began, that was his perspective, you know, and he has, he has emptied himself for this, for this goal, for this prize, for this treasure. He has completely emptied himself in his son, right, and died on the cross for us to accomplish this, for his kingdom to reign and rule, for his eternal life, to know the Father, to reign and rule inside of our hearts and our minds, right, to swallow us up with his life and his immortality. This, uh, this has been his driving passion from the beginning of time, was for us to eat from the tree of life, right? That's what he wanted, okay? Uh, the Bible says that Jesus has been revealed to us as our wisdom. Jesus is our perspective. We've been given a wisdom that is greater than worldly wisdom is the, and is the only wisdom that is going to carry on into eternity, right? I, I thought it was interesting, you know, for the longest time when, I, when I'd hear Jesus is our wisdom. I didn't quite understand what that meant because when I think of wisdom, I just think of, you know, things that you, you know, teachings that you're taught and, you know, knowledge that you gain and, and things like that. But literally he's saying Jesus himself is our wisdom given to us by God from above. He's the wisdom from above, you know? And so we have this earthly wisdom. A lot of times it's kind of rooted and grounded in death and fear, Right? Um, I've got students who, in wisdom in their mind, they think that, uh, you know, self-survival is wisdom, is wise, not to really get too close to people, you know, uh, really just analyze who they are and, you know, uh, if, if, you know, if there's anything, you know, always look for danger, you know, things like that. It's, to them, it's wise, you know, but in God's kingdom, it's wise to lay down your life for another, you know, uh, but uh, how God actually demonstrates his wisdom in Jesus is, is this. It says, in Jesus, all that is temporary was done away with on the cross. So in Jesus' body, right, he is trying to bring understanding to us. He's saying, look, I'm the author of life, and I've become flesh to demonstrate to you what's going to happen to you and what I'm doing in you and with you for all, for all ages to come, right? In my body on the cross, I'm doing away with what's temporary, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing, doing away with everything that you see. He says, um, he says I'm doing away with the, the, so that everything that you see would come to naught. It would not exist anymore. And the things that you don't see would start existing, right? It's that that intense, that powerful, right? 
that in Jesus' body, he's doing completely away with the temporary, and he's establishing the things that are eternal, right? Um, Jesus is, all right, let's see here. All right, in Jesus, all that is temporary was done away with on the cross, and the works that are eternal survived through the cross. Jesus' righteous works were eternal and accepted by the Father and survived through to the other side of the cross. This was Jesus' righteousness, right? Jesus was righteous before the Father by, I mean, first of all, being a son of God, but second of all, his whole life was perfect before the Father, right? His, he was full of good works. He was full of only doing what he saw his Father doing. He was the only one that perfectly lived this out, right? He was completely righteous before the Father, and all that he did went in front of him, you know, uh, according to the will of the Father, and actually even survived through the cross. And anything that was temporary didn't survive through the cross, right? But all the eternal things, his relationship, he said, I, he said, I haven't lost one of the, the people that you gave to me, right? The disciples, things like that, he didn't lose one of them. He carried them through the cross, right? And all those who are sons and daughters, he he took them in himself. He took the whole world into himself, right? The only thing that will survive through the cross are the things that are eternal, souls, right? They are our treasure, right? Um, let's see here. Jesus said, don't store up treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break into the steel, the temporary things, but store up treasures in heaven, the eternal things. For where your treasure is, there will your, your heart be also, right? God is calling us to a very mature decision, you know? He has given us the power and the ability to overcome covetousness, the things of the law. You know, by nature, we coveted and we didn't even, it's like we don't even mean to. It's, it was literally by our flesh nature. It just kind of come out of us like, like drinking water. It, was, it just comes out like a river by nature. Coveting, you know, lying, murdering with our eyes, all those kinds of things come out, you know, in our flesh nature uh, like a river. We don't even have to try to do that. But by God's spirit, he's, he's actually given us the ability to overcome all those, uh, all those sins that the laws and the commandments uh, bring to light, right, in our, in our very nature, okay? Uh, let's see here. Is our treasure in the temporary uh, things that we see all around us, or is our treasure in the eternal things, okay? When we long for the things that are temporary, we miss God's purpose and plan accomplished in Jesus for us and the chance to bring God's accomplishment to others, God has made all provision in his son to bring his kingdom on the earth. And only the works done through Jesus and in us will last forever and satisfy our God vacuum. All right, the treasures that come from God are Jesus' righteousness, right? We've been given a gift of his righteousness, his perfection, the thing that he accomplished, he settled, he lived a perfect life. And we get his fruit. We get what his treasure of living a perfect life. We get his spirit, his righteousness, right, as a treasure. We get our redemption. That's a treasure, being redeemed by the blood of the lamb, being accepted by God again. That is a treasure that we have with him. Our sanctification is in Jesus, 
right? Being given the Holy Spirit to live a transformed life. That is a treasure, right? Um, Many of you guys have been walking with Jesus and you have learned God's spirit and his ability to transform the way you think and the way you feel about things. And you look back in your past and you're like, I am so glad I'm not that person anymore. You know, it is a blessing to have the reality of Jesus in me in this, in this time, right? Because it's a treasure. It's a treasure to be transformed in the way that we think because it sets us free. We, uh, we walk in uh, more consistent peace in the Lord, right? Uh, there's more investment in his kingdom when we put off the things of the flesh and we, and we are renewed in the spirit of our mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This is a treasure to gain um, the realities of Jesus as our own right, for our life, okay? Okay, let's see here. All right, when has coveting caused a breakdown in our family, all right? I'm not gonna, I don't want you guys to speak out loud about this, but I want us to think about this for a second. I wanna give you all a little bit of time to think about your own life, all right? When, when was there times that coveting, that longing desire caused a breakdown in your family. I want you to think about those times. Your friendships. Think about your friends now. When has longing for the temporary broke down your uh, friendships with other people? Maybe even caused where you never even shared in a friendship with somebody that you could have because you were longing for something else. Something else was your treasure, right? All right, what about uh, your acquaintances? Just even the lost out there, the people that you just encounter in, in class, you know, that you just say hi to, you know? Uh, when is coveting kept you from having a, a kingdom perspective and investing in your acquaintances? The lost souls, God's treasure, your treasure, right? You know, if, if I go by my feeling, guys, if I, you know, there, there was a time where uh, people wasn't my treasure, and I was a believer, you know, and I'm going, why? I'm getting honest with my own heart, and I'm going, how come people are not really a treasure to me? I don't understand this, you know? And it was because I wasn't going on God's perspective towards the people. You know, we don't live by our feeling. We live by the truth. We live by what God has spoken. You know, we're a believer, not a feeler, right? We believe in the truth, right? Uh, What he says is he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. He loves them so much. They're his treasure. And if anyone uh, would believe in him, they would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. To God, we are his treasure and the lost are his treasure. Let's come into line with his perspective, right? Um, and, and God is faithful to reveal his perspective in us. If, if right now you're looking in and, and you see other things as your treasure, only his word and only his spirit can actually give you the perspective of them being your treasure. And if you live by faith and you trust in the word of God that says they, that to God, they are his treasure and that's what he's after, then God will bring that reality into your heart and you'll get to share in the treasure of loving people as if they are your treasure, 
You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and that's what he's been doing with me is, you know, even, my goodness, over the past year, that's what he's been teaching me, you know, is don't, don't beat yourself up in condemnation that they're not your treasure. Just come in line with my word, right? And anchor onto that in belief in your heart. And the realities of that truth will begin to expand and develop in you. And then you'll get to share in my inheritance of seeing them as your treasure, right? Okay. Um, this is where God, in our families, in our friendships, and in our acquaintances, this is where God wants to establish his kingdom. This is his perspective. This is, what he's, this is his goal. This is his agenda, right? In us. He wants to establish his kingdom in us, his love, right? In our family, in our friendships, and in our acquaintances. That's, that's his agenda. That's his driving passion. That's what he's been doing from the beginning of time up to this point. That is his, that is his mind. That is his will, right? If we want to know the will of God for our life, that, comes, that, that is pretty much in sync with his will, is establishing his kingdom inside of us and inside our family, and inside of our friends, and inside of our acquaintances, right? That is what he's about. Everything else, he is wiping away. It's as if it never existed anymore in the eyes of God, right? Okay? Okay. All right. Only God can bring contentment and rest to the human heart. All right, our covetous desires can never be put to rest unless our desire is satisfied by God. All right, we seek after wealth because we are spiritually poor. All right, isn't that interesting? We have that gaping hole, and so we seek after things because we recognize, or we should recognize, we're spiritually poor. That's why we're groping after things, right? Is our spiritual depravity, right? Okay, we seek after possessions. Yet everything we have and can have is a gift from his hand. You know, we, 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 we're going after money, going after possessions, things like that. We don't realize it. God says, look at the lilies of the field. Are they not clothed with splendor? And how much more valuable are you to, than the lilies of the field? Will I not satisfy you with good things? Will I not meet your needs, right, with my riches and my glory? Will I not uh, take care of your needs for the rest of your life. Guys, if you have not been experiencing that reality, it's truth whether you believe in it or not. He will provide for you. He will take care of us. Just because we don't experience it in our feelings or we you know, may uh, live in a deceitful reality where we don't feel like he would do it. No, the truth is the truth. He said he would take care of us. He would satisfy us uh, with, with everything that we need, Right? It's a promise, and in our hearts, we just need to come in line with the truth in faith, right? And we'll experience the reality of him taking care of us. I know people right now that they lost their job, man. It wasn't even something they were being lazy, you know, or anything like that. They lost their job. They lost their houses. We see this stuff going on all over the place where people, you know, a hurricane comes through, wipes away the houses and things, you know, in their heart. If they treasure to know that God is their provider, you know, it's not that job that was their provider. God allowed that job to be, you know, as a, as a tool. But God is the provider, period, right? 
and he's the one that will satisfy our heart and our longing, okay? All right, let's see here. Our seeking after ungodly relationships points to our need for a relationship with our creator. Y'all see that? That's uh, the, the, the very fact that in our spiritual depravity we're looking for those relationships in wisdom that shows us that we're in need of a relationship with our creator, right? Okay, by our nature we are bound to these desires and the only way to satisfy our longing and be set free is to know Jesus as our intimate and active savior, shepherd, and Lord. Y'all notice I put active savior, shepherd, and Lord, right? The only way to know this is is a second-by-second, day-by-day basis. This is a salvation that will come to its completeness, Whenever, when Christ who is our life appears, we will also appear with him in glory. It ain't over yet, right? Um, We we need to keep persevering. We need to keep our eyes gazing upon the glory of Jesus and his love for us so that we can be transformed into the kingdom of his love, his son, right? And so that when we stand before him, we will not be ashamed. We will not look within and see the things that we held on to that were temporary. We will look within and all we will see is God's glory, we will see Jesus and we will not be ashamed. Matter of fact, we may even be bold. He says we could come boldly to his throne, to the throne of grace. We may even be confident that he'll accept us. That's pretty cool. Wouldn't you, don't y'all wanna be that? Where you, you stand before God and you're confident. You know your creator. You know that he loves you. You're confident in it and you embrace him. Instead of come up, you put your head down and you don't know what he's fixing to say. Right, we don't want that, okay? All right, Galatians 5, 17 says, what your corrupt nature wants is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They're opposed to each other. As a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. Romans says, thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, he will set me free from this body of death. We can be confident that Jesus our Savior will set us free from this body of death. This is our treasure. This is the mature thinking of a believer. They wanna be set free from sin. They wanna be set free from those things that the law condemns. They want to put on immortality. They long to put on eternal life. This is their treasure. This is their hope, is eternal life. This is the anchor of their soul. This is the mature way of our thinking that that we should have throughout for the rest of our life. Right? If we don't have that, we need to humble ourselves before God and ask Him to give us that perspective. Right? Okay. Uh, Jesus said, Are you tired, worn out from sin? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms. It's a treasure. It's a, it's a choice of maturity, right? A mature decision. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What does he say there? Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. If I keep company with him, for the rest of my life, this, this is what I'm gonna learn. All right, I'm gonna close with this, this scripture. 
Uh, I noticed that it's a little bit past time, about two minutes, but uh, I'm gonna close with this right here. There is something that we can covet. We can long for it with great desire and we can be satisfied by it. We can make this our goal, our pursuit, our agenda. It completely lines up with the will of the Father. God is love expressed through Jesus and we can covet love. We can long for it, we can covet it, we can groan for it, we can be considered looking like a fool to the world because we want love so bad and we want love to be expressed in us so bad and we want love to be expressed in the people around us so bad that we make it our obsessed agenda, right? Right here in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, it doesn't covet, right? Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end, Love never dies, it's eternal, never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. This is what we're longing for, right? When I was an infant at, uh, with my mother, I gurgled and cooed like an, any infant. When I grew up, when I matured, when I was telling you guys about maturing and, and, and having a mature mindset for this age, right? When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright when Jesus reveals his glory right? We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly till the end, right? Love extravagantly. This is our pursuit. This is our goal. This is our agenda as soldiers for God. And the best of these three is love. 